here we have the man of the machine. Welcome back to this week's episode of Man of the Machine. I'm Kevin. And I'm Craig. And now we are on the seventh chapter uh, of Watchmen. Of Watchmen. The Hugo Award winning, Alan Moore written, Dave Gibbons drawn comic Watchmen. Watchmen. I actually don't think, because like traditional comics and stuff, you, uh, now I should say. Okay, so there is someone. You have the writer, you have the uh, artist or illustrator. You can have a separate letterer. You can have a colorist. And, oh, that sounds and racist. Ink person and all these different. You can. Have, well, it's pretty racist. You can have like thirty people working on it. Well, I mean, that's too many. You can have like eight or nine people responsible for getting an issue out to you. Nope, just three. But no one ever talks about John Higgins, which is a goddamn shame because apparently he was the colorist and the color palette of this book is one of the best things about it. Like yeah. the color scheme and everything. So it is weird how. I'm, I'm going to attempt to put that name in my brain John from henceforth. Higgins. Dave Gibbons and John Higgins. It should be, it should be easy. Yeah. Is there a famous Higgins? There's uh, a Higgins, but it's not Higgins. There's the Higgs boson particle. No, well, that's a good one. Uh, hey, Riggs? Is that the lethal weapon guy? Hmm. Uh, shit. There's a Higgins out there. Um, uh, uh, Tom Selleck. What, what's the show he's in? Uh, big mustache guy. Um, um, in the 80s. Uh, Magnum P.I. Yeah, Magnum Higgins P.I. is his little... That's his... Uh, uh, who's your dick there? The Also uh, in... Sidekick. The Nickelodeon cartoon, Hey Arnold, his uh, nemesis was Rex Smythe Higgins the Third. Rexius Smythe the Third. Which one is it? This one right here. Yeah, that one right there. Bam! Yeah. No, we won't hear booping. But yeah, I, I'm gonna make note of that because I've talked about over and over again how much I love the color palette of this book. Never said John Higgins once. Yeah, I'm, well, sh- I'm sure he works. Well, with episode Gibbons. seven is for you, John Higgins. Yeah. We. I hope he's still alive. We recognize you. Well, I can look that up. Yeah, right. do a quick Google while I while I say the title of the chap. Which is called, I actually think I remember, but I don't want to misquote, so I'll just flip the page here. A Brother to Dragons. Which is kind of an intense title compared to some of these more, I don't know, like a fearful, well, I guess a fearful symmetry is pretty freaking scary. Uh, or what was this one called? Watchmaker. No, see, that's tame as hell. A Brother to Dragons. Let's see, John Higgins. English comic book artist and writer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Significant work for 2080, of course. Born 1949 in Liverpool. Okay, so, so he's really old. not... He's not that old. He's like 80s, 70s. Yeah, I guess. I mean, he's only like two years older than my dad. And uh, he doesn't have a death date, so yeah, he should still be alive. Shouts out to you, John Higgins. I'm sure you've worked on other great things, but this is your magnum opus. Sorry. So I don't make the rules. He's a writer and an illustrator, so... Yep. Saying that... Him doing the colors on someone else's <laughs> book is his magnum opus. That's a little rude. Yeah, a little, a little tiny bit, tiny bit. But to be fair, it's the greatest book of all time. So what, what am I say? Huh? Who am I say? Comic book of all time. Yeah. That's the greatest book of all time. What is the greatest book of all time, would you say? Ooh. Would you say? Oh. Well, totally object- or subjective. That is extremely difficult because, one, there's so many genres and there's fiction and nonfiction. Them. And then there's old stuff, new stuff, different types of writing. Just... Off the top of your head, best story of all time, best book. Best book, uh, probably 
Beyond Good and Evil by Friedrich Nietzsche. Oh, Nazi guy. He's not a Nazi. He's a Nazi. I know it. That's the one thing I know. Nazi guy. No. His, it's in his name. It's right there. Nietzsche N- is not, just a fun way of saying Nazi. Not at all. He all right. was very much against nationalism and anti-Semitism. Yeah, allegedly. Except for when he was a Nazi. Oh, he, so it was like a Malcolm X thing. He went somewhere, figured it out, came back, and was like, oh, I'm not a Nazi anymore. It's the just, Nazis didn't exist. Allegedly. All right. He the died, Nazis have always existed. He died in like 1902. Yeah. Co- coincidence? I think not. That was like... 40, well, actually, technically 30-something years before the Nazi party was formed. Yeah, they just gave themselves a the name then? Officially. I mean, it's been around for a long, however long he's been alive. It's been around. But aside from that. Stop. I would say the best book of all time, uh, based on any number of criteria. No, screw it. I don't give a shit about criteria. This is my best book of all time. Watchmen. <laughs> so, that was a good setup. Uh, chapter 7. A Brother to Dragons, we get the most riveting chapter yet. The most exciting. Woo! We get to learn about Woo. Dan motherfucking Dryberg. Yep. It's Look, not that riveting, guys. It's, uh... Ooh, what is this? Oh, it's the goggle. So, yeah, that's the goggle. So, we've said that before. Every issue, the cover immediately goes into the issue as it zooms out in every single page. And it's the goggle, but this is actually really important uh, for later on and as we continue to read. There's a, a, a fingerprint, like, cleaning off the dust on it, because this shit's been sitting for years now. Oh, yeah. And they use that over and over throughout the first half. So she puts her hand up on Archie and creates the same line on Archie's lens, which is identical to the lens on his glasses. Uh, it shows you from when it's looking through as we go on down here. Whenever it's reflecting, it makes sure to show you that it's going through, and there's always something in that cleared-out spot as you're looking on the imagery in the back. When he's sitting in there... Oh, yeah. When he's sitting in there talking about he had a dangerous habit, which is him being Thing, the only part that's visible through the dust on Archie is him. It's a really cool little, like, element that they hide into the art throughout this the, the first half of this issue. That, And the only time you don't see that line is when lori puts on the glasses and he says everything's clear as day because she can see through the night and he's talking about how important those glasses were to all him and then all of a sudden that's no longer a part of the book the lenses are clean and when they get into archie way later to fly up he cleans it off with glass gets all the soot off of archie that's like a con- that's a, a, a little oh. theme throughout the first half of the chapter that's really pretty nice this comic so far in each issue mm. is really good at taking something symbolic and carrying it through the issue and it can feel a little on the nose at times but only if you're looking for it yeah so you know yeah the exact opposite of on the nose i didn't even pick up on this uh when uh yeah every time we we start a new every time we start a new chapter i basically just stare at the front issue for as long as i can the front art and just try to follow whatever they're doing because it's very clear that they're setting up some sort of theme um at at this point it's constantly showing you. I like it a lot. And I think it was even more difficult for me to pick up on those kind mm-hmm. of things in this issue. Because this issue just read really well. It reads like a traditional story. Okay, so because, you know, we talked about this with the Rorschach one last year, which, or last year, last week, mm-hmm. which is identical to this. We're, it's, we're doing a character study on Night Owl now. You yep. know, we're done with Rorschach and we're going on to Night Owl. And <laughs> he's such a sad sack. 
with a chubby body and a flat ass, and he can't get it up. And it's just a shame, but he's actually really interesting uh, in that... I don't want to jump the gun. We'll get there. Yeah. We'll, we'll get there. So I don't want to go too fast. So anyways, we start with the lens with the smudge on it, and Laurie is downstairs in his bat cave, for for lack of better terms. She's in his bat cave, and uh, she's looking over his, his equipment. Owl den, if you will. If you will. Does he call it that ever? No. No, okay. You were just, okay. I was like, I don't know. Yeah, really. I'm just free balling here. Yeah, I like it. I like yeah. it. Uh, are we going to do improv at the end of the show again? <laughs> All right, no. we'll do some improv at the end of the show. Uh, stay, stay tuned. And uh, she's enjoying looking around. For, you know, full disclaimer, Night Owl's costume, fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. I really, I like, really like his costume. And I think they do that on purpose because Dan is such a pathetic piece of shit. You got to give him something cool. Yep. Uh, but she's walking around. She goes inside Archie. And she's just having fun checking everything out. Uh, she thinks everything's really cool. And then she has a cigarette or a crack pipe. As I prefer to think. It looks like a fucking crack pipe. It's a crack pipe. It's some sort of weird past future cigarette with like a glass orb on the end. Yeah. It's a crack pipe. It's a crack pipe. And she's a... Uh, oh, the crack fox. Oh, the crack fox. I'm gonna hurt you real bad. I'm gonna hurt you real bad. What I'm gonna that? put you in a dress. No, it's just the thing I say. It's just a little <laughs> noise I'm making. He, uh, she's, she's smoking it and she's like, oh, where's the dash lighter? This is just a car, right? It's probably got one of those poppy things on yeah, it. Yeah, I see a, a flame button. An image that's, yeah, just a, literally a little flame. She hits it and Archie spews out this massive flamethrower out the front of his, of his, of his beak. Of his beak. He doesn't have a beak. Archie mm. doesn't have a beak. No, it's, it's a it's large a re- mechanical thing. It's a really cool looking ship, yeah, but it's supposed to look like an owl and it is in many ways with the big eyes and stuff and it even has like feather paneling out of the metal on the sides and whatnot uh but yeah no beak so it sprays out fire and she screams and i think mine was closer to a lorry scream but you know what that's because my voice can't go that high well we can give her that voice it's a good voice you you want you want to from henceforth i want you to read like her in that voice this this is me going that high I'm terrified. It's, I, I'm coming to help. I'm on my way because that See, alerted everyone in the area. Uh, mine only dogs can hear it. That's true. And yeah. mice. My, oh, did you really? know mice laugh? No, I was not aware of that. So there was uh, edumacation. Talk about animals that laugh because uh, gorillas and, and all great apes and lesser apes uh, they laugh. And um, we're not sure if dogs laugh hmm. because there's no way to tell. Uh, you know when they do brain scans and all this stuff. Dogs are just happy, like, 100% of the time. And when they're reading their brain scans and stuff, you can't really tell how they're reacting. It's just more, I like this. <laughs> so we're not sure. But mice do laugh, and it's at such a high frequency, we can't hear it. Like, they audibly laugh, and we can't hear it. Oh. Uh, so they make jokes about dogs being able to hear mice laughter, <laughs> and it probably drives them nuts. But... Uh, oh, now I'm just imagining mice just fucking with dogs. Like, yeah, just goofing. The dog is like chained up and can't get past, and they're just mocking it and laughing. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, Oof. human, it's laughing at what me. What do mice have to laugh about? Yeah, Tickle know. spot? Uh, it dropped a crumb down a little crack that it can't get its snout into, but it didn't need it. It was more for fun. It was just bringing it back home. Or maybe a little baby mouse fell down a stair. I mean, it didn't get hurt. But it was funny. Like when little kids fall on their faces and you're like, oh my God, that's <laughs> Kids awesome. are so dumb. They're so stupid. Can't believe they haven't grown Walk up Walk like yet. an adult. <laughs> Walk much? <laughs> I remember my first beer kid. <laughs> Knock him down. I actually push Lorelai over a lot. It is pretty fun. Uh, not in a mean way. Just in a fun way. But, so uh, Dan uh, hears this and he, oh no, Lori, what's going on? Are you okay? 
and he sprints down. And I actually thought it was really cool that they decided to to do a little anime flashback here. Oh yeah. Where you know he's like, oh god, Lori, I'm coming. Are you okay? And it decides to alternate panels with Rorschach being in his house, giving him the button that the comedian had with the blood on it, and saying the lines he said there. You know, talking about he thinks somebody's picking off costume heroes. You know, comedian's dead. Manhattan's exiled. Two gone in a week. Who's next? Yada yada yada. Which at that point he says, who's next? Vite justice or me at the time when that was said none of that had happened at the time now he's in jail Vite had an assassination attempt after him and Lori's got no place to go she's been kicked out of her home Uh, I guess that's the best way to say it she's been ousted yeah um, evicted evicted there's the word so uh, you know he's remembering that and then Rorschach says you so he's all he's spooked he's in his mind now yeah, I had to remember that Rorschach was in jail because I was like, what is he doing in Dan's uh, kitchen again? Yeah, no, just a flashy, and Dan looks pathetic as all frig. Oh, Lori. Yeah, and she's like, fire extinguishers. Where are the fire extinguishers? Oh, she's shifting over here. And then she's kind of a bitch. Yeah. You know, he's asking what's going on. She tells him, I was smoking my crack pipe, yeah. and I didn't realize that was a flamethrower. That's my bad. Yeah, my bad. You know, when you're on crack, <laughs> everything looks the same. Yeah, and she's like... Uh, he, he's like, I don't smoke. That was the flamethrower. And she's like, yeah, well, I know that now. Dan, I'm sorry. It's like, well, go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah I know yeah. you know. I'm just telling you. Jesus, you set my basement on fire, you bitch. <laughs> yeah. But he, he, of course, as someone who listens to Ario Speedwagon regularly would say, he's like, oh, it's my fault. It's totally my fault. Are I, you hurt? I, oh, I would die if you were hurt. I I'd left, kill myself. I oh. left a single light on, so obviously that invited you into my basement, into my shit, clicking buttons. How could I do? I'm so sorry. He takes the blame. Oh, ugh, that's, ugh, I just realized that's a, that sounds like a lot of oh, rape he, apologist he's, shit. He's 100% a victim, like yeah. in everything. Oh, yeah, um, except that he's the victim now because he's the sad sack. Exactly. Sorry. He's, oh, he's such a... He's a bit. He's bitch. the worst. He's, but he's great, too. Yeah. And actually, I think when we get to the end there, I think Alan Moore's actually making fun of him in a pretty big way. So uh, he, she's like, oh, no, I'm fine. But look at your beautiful ship. She's trying to be nice. And, oh, it's fine. And he says, when you screamed, I thought, well, you know, ever since the comedian died. And she's like, oh, come on, Dan. You're not starting to take Rorschach's mass killer bullshit seriously. Girl, you just set his basement on fire. He's yeah. just being, he's worried about your safety. He's worried about making sure everything's okay with you. He doesn't give a damn about the damage you just caused. Also, he does make like a good amount of sense. Like, comedian's dead. Someone tried to kill Vite. Rorschach's in jail. Yep. John was exiled to fucking Mars. Hmm. Like, literally, they're just the only ones left. Like, if you were, if you looked around and like, oh, hey, we're the only, only yeah. ones left. Uh, yeah. Coincidence, yeah. yeah. Just Coincidence. To, and you yeah. scream in a basement. Yeah. yeah. So and he, then I see fire. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry for jumping to conclusions. <laughs> so he's like, uh, you know, he tells her, oh, you know, he's concerned. She says, that because he, she, is that why you were tuning your ship? And he says, no, not anything like that. And he looks over everything. And she, she is mystified by his place. She thinks it's just the coolest shit ever. Oh, and, yeah. Like, the entire scene... Like, we have plenty of panels to go through, but most most of the time it's, like, her being like, that's awesome! And he's like, oh, no, it's not. It's yeah. just stupid kid shit. It'd be like if you had, like, a, a, a shrine to Hess trucks because you collected them when you were a kid, and someone was like, 
oh, these are cool Hess trucks. And you're like, no, Hess trucks are shit. Nobody cares. The difference is, as an adult, I would love a fucking flying owl oh, shit well, so, yeah. that shoots flames and fuck. I mean, you learn so much about him. Like, the fact that, A, he builds all this stuff himself. He's yep. his own Batman, Iron Man person. He's super rich and owns half the block yep. and the t- and the subway system. He's created an exoskeleton. He has multiple suits set up for himself. He he keeps all of the like mementos of all the people he beat. Like he has some of the coolest shit ever and he's just like no. Oh no. I was being a child. You know the uh uh Looney Tunes the 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 vulture? Yeah. And then Bugs Bunny says something like you're cute or whatever and he's just like oh no 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 that's what that's what Dan is being right now but without the cute factor. And there's even a point where Lori's like uh, you, you could like tone down the self-deprecation by a notch you know <laughs> yeah no dude yeah she does say that to him you're, you're you're making it really hard for me to be horny for you yeah and my she guy po- and she points out as he's talking about all this stuff he got so Dan talks about a lot i'm not going to read all the passages because he's never not doing it a he was super into birds yep. and b he was super into fantasy yeah and, like greek mythology and whatnot yep and he used that to go to college and get his phd in aeronautics or what does he say like uh yeah engineering aeronautics engineering or something and zoology he was a double major at, at harvard at, at harvard yep so uh he, he's a genius he's got all this cool shit and she's just like you know, okay, you did this on your own because you're a badass and you got a lot of money, and that's really fucking cool. Like, we should think you're a badass person. And she was forced into it. She talked about it earlier. Her mom yeah. was like, no, you're doing this. Like, I don't give a shit. You're doing this. Um, so she kind of admires someone who actually wants to do it. Yep. Which is cool, Oh, I guess. and I think I found the panel, which sums up uh, Dan so much in his personality. So... When she's going through her mementos, she finds this picture of uh, the Twilight Lady. Yep. It was from one nightbird to another, love from the Twilight Lady. And she's pretty much in dominatrix getup. Oh, it's hot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's real hot. So, really, the answer is she was the dom and he's the sub. When you put it that way, Dan makes a lot of sense. He just had to put her in jail just for a minute. And he's like, just oh, I minute. put my dumb in jail. This is not yeah. how it's supposed to go. Just... I'm supposed to go to jail. Yeah, and he's like, well, she had a fixation. She's a sick woman. Why would anyone ever be into me? Oh, God, <laughs> crap. And he's like, I kept meant to throw it away, but you know how it is. Uh, she's the only one who ever loved me. I just need someone to hold me. Which later on we'll see like a dream sequence. And I think and he like... also doesn't just need someone to hold him. Yeah. Was that, was that a speed wagon? Maybe. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. I do think there's probably something actually there between him and this, uh, his dom. It, I, his, I would his, say his so, dom. too, and that, that's one piece the, um, not going to talk about the movie at all, but they left that out, so when we get to that dream sequence later, the dream sequence in the book is different from the movie, and I think that's kind of a shame. It's a really easy layer to add in that they just chose not to. Yeah. Kind of a bummer, but. Yeah, and if this is modern day, we'd also have a. Uh, Dan's account to a fet life. Of course, yeah, yeah. obviously. What, what else would I be there? So he's going through, and she keeps talking, and he's like, yeah, I really like birds. I really liked flying, and that's why I went to Harvard and did my thing, and I built this jalopy. She's like, oh, jalopy. That, see, this is the kind of text that's completely nonsense, but makes it a charming, easy story to read through, like this yeah. issue. Like you said at the top of it, it was just a nice read. This is just the kind of stuff where you're just reading a conversation between people. 
Um, but yeah, he picked it up from Hollis, and then he talks about how he idolized Hollis and got him to give him the rights to Night Owl. Well, I don't think there was a rights, but got him to say, yeah, sure, you can be Night Owl. Uh, so they're in the ship and uh, talking about, we. you know, there's been a couple panels of them looking, so uh, he's looking through, it shows you the lens, the lens again, and the text in that is, just a school kid's fantasy that got out of hand that's, you know, with hindsight on reflection. And that's showing you through the lens of his costume and the only thing visible through the cleaned out smudge is Laurie and Dan. Yep. Because it's all just a fantastical kids running around being... This book doesn't let you think that superheroes are cool at all. Oh, no. Yeah, the book's <laughs> pretty on the nose about the fact that it's pathetic, but which we'll get to later. Oh, yeah, we... We already went through, like, uh, that idea earlier on with, like, Hollis's book. Oh, yep. Hollis's book hammers at home. I think the moment when Dan becomes Night Owl really hammers at home, too, because he's a pathetic piece of shit that can't get it up, mm -hmm. but they have the... We'll get there. We'll yeah, get yeah. there. So, yeah, they're looking through, and he's basically just telling her all the cool shit that this thing can do. It's invisible to radar. It has rockets. It has spare uniforms. It has public system. I think it was uh, surface-to-air missiles. Air-to-air no, missiles. Oh, air-to-air. Oh, right, because it's air, yeah. It has fog screening, radiation shields, all this cool stuff. And she, she's like, did you say air-to-air -air missiles? He's like, yeah, it's the button right next to the flamethrower. <laughs> she's like, that's it. No smoking. <laughs> through it all. I quit. And uh, that's the talking about dangerous habits thing I, t I said earlier. And he's like, well, I had a bit of a dangerous habit myself trying to relate. And it's like, no, you were both superheroes. Yeah. You're trying to be cute. Shut up. Yeah. You're pathetic. You don't know what addiction is, Dan. <laughs> yeah, you Get do. the fuck out of here. Also, I didn't notice that there was a radiation suit there. Yeah. Yeah, he has... Uh, and even she asked what they're for. And uh, what does he say? Oh, yeah. Underwater work. Oh, he only says the underwater one. You're right. You're yep, right. the other one you just get the context clue because of the... Uh, it's got the thing on the chest. Yeah, the trifoil. Is that the triforce on this chest? Trifoil. He's a hero. Also, uh... It should be yellow and magenta, not yellow and black. Of course, of course. For all you people that don't have hey, a... all you people. Yeah, all, hey, you, all people. you people. Hey, all you people, will you listen to Craig? He's got some news. Those who have not worked in the nuclear field. That's there the traditional go. colors for radiation. Yellow and magenta. Perp. It's perp. Perp. Perp and yell. It's a reddish purple. It's perp. That's magenta. Yeah. Reddish purple. It's uh, between them. Roy G. Biv. I don't see magenta in there at all, okay? That's not all the colors. It's all the colors. No. I no. went to school. <laughs> you can't tell me otherwise. Also, imagine how large that anagram would be for a, uh, uh, what are they called? Rainbow shrimp? Wow. Because all the colors that we see yeah. is from three different cones of color. All the cones 16. of color. 16. They just triple up on all of them. <laughs> Wait, the math didn't check out. No. Just nine tuple up on all of them, minus two. <laughs> That's fine. We have them all. I already knew it. Did you know that the... Uh, I can't remember this woman's name. I just saw it going on. I should get her name. Uh, the first black child to go to a public all-white school in Louisiana, she turned 64. Oh, yeah. That's not old. Oh, no. Racism's alive and well. But oh, yeah. not on this podcast, because not a political podcast. Not we don't want to talk podcast. about that kind of stuff. Yeah, no. not a political podcast. But yeah, I learned that fact, and I thought that was pretty darn... Not neat. Neat's not the right word, yeah. but interesting. Yes. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're still just going over all the cool shit, and she's trying... She's basically poking and prodding, like, dude, you're so cool. How cool are you? Look at all this cool shit you do. And he's just like, 
No, no. I mean, I like birds. I like to build stuff. Yeah, she's like pretty much getting as close as she can to saying that she's wet without saying it. Yeah. And she, he's like, no. She's saying things like moist. She's saying things like slippery. Yeah. But she's not saying and the wet. one. And she's and he can't, he's not picking it up. I'm not picking up what you're putting down. But she's also super rude to him. So yeah. they're going through and she's like, why don't you sell all because this Because she's going to be his new dom. Of right. course it makes sense. You got to break him down. Yeah. At least a little, which she does, I think, on the next one. Oh, and he and he compares it again because he's talking about all of this overly romantic, fantasized version of what he thought his life would be. And she's like, you know, uh, why don't you sell it? What now? He says, no, I don't know why I hang on to this stuff. I mean, I know the romance is over. I guess I just don't have the heart to throw out all the engagement presents. Like this dude is still kind of in his head about how fantastical it really truly is, which is fine. I guess I get that. But, uh, but. But first, they uh, talk about first time they saw Hollis and all this cool stuff. And Dan's like, oh, I wish the Crime Busters were still together. Uh, we were having a good time. Oh, and he actually uh, talks about how impressive a person Rorschach was. Or are we not there yet? No, we're there. Oh, he also mentioned, like, the, the Crime Busters were like his Knights of the Round Table. Right. He compares them to something else that he wanted. He really just wanted all that knightly shit. Oh, no, it's right up here next. So he's like, yeah, no, I, I guess I didn't uh, regretted the crime busters falling through. Uh, he realized the co- he also just like everyone else in the story so far realized the comedian was right. It was all crap, or it's all crap dressed up with a lot of flash and thunder. Um, you know, everyone else, and this is where he talks about Rorschach a lot. He built all this cool shit like this dope proto exoskeleton that broke his arm the first time he used it. He built all this incredible tech that no one else has, like. Aside from Manhattan, he's the next most powerful because of what he has available to him. Oh, yeah. Um, but even that, he went and did this sting we learned earlier with Rorschach, uh, the, the big boss guy they took down together. And boss uh, Rorschach literally only had a, a trench coat. And he didn't. He was like more athletic. He was more conditioned. He was more precise. Whereas Night Owl was like, well, I have this really cool like uh, fart spray I can distract you with. <laughs> and then that's all he can do. Um, but he was so obsessed with it that he dumped all of his money into it. So he, oh yeah, they talk about Rorschach being completely deranged and they're not wrong about that. Well, I think like a really good point is Dan points out he was normal, like maybe a little grim and maybe a little quiet, but his button, he still had all the buttons on his overcoat. Yeah. I like that one too. But then he says over the years, the masks eaten his brain. Sorry, I have trays in again since, like, four months, so I'm, it's hard to say S's. Masks is Masks. hard to say. But, you know, it's for the... You know, I need my straight, better teeth. It's for my health. Okay, whatever you say, Mike Tyson. Not nice. <laughs> I'm gonna punch your lights out. Uh, I love Mike Tyson. That used to be what we would goad my little brother with, because when Travis got mad, which, like me, when I get excited, my voice goes up. When he'd get mad, his voice would get higher. And he would get so pissed off. And he's like, I'm going to shut up, kid. I'm going to kick your ass. Well, he wouldn't say ass. We were aggressively not into swearing as kids. Like, if you said damn when at, like, 14, Travis was like, oh, I'm going to tell mom. And you're going to get in so much trouble. I was like, no. Oh, there's a time. Um, there's this kid that was also at uh, the babysitter that we all went to as a kid. Right. His name was Frankie. And one time I heard him say, fuck. Oh, and you let the teacher know? Well. No, no, no. And then one time 
because I was young and impressionable. Yeah. I was like, I don't know, like nine or ten or some bullshit. Yeah. I said fuck. And then uh, my sister and the other daycare kids, like, they blackmailed me for like two fucking years. <laughs> I swear. Because I said I'll tell fuck. them that you said it. I swear to God. But uh, Travis, when he got mad, he would try to punch you and he had a really high voice. So we would call him Mike Tyson and he hated it. Like, when he got mad is when you'd start calling him it, which would make him more mad, which would make it even better. Like, oh, Mike Tyson, you gonna punch us, huh? You gonna punch your lights out, Mike? And he'd be like, shut up, Andy, I swear! <laughs> like, come on, dude, bring it down. My brother Andy was a jerk. Anyways, uh, so she's going over all the cool gadgets. He's showing a lot of cool stuff that his suit has, including the fact that his goggles have this really awesome night vision. He's, You know, he says they work best at night, and he puts them on her. And when he turns them on, again, this is what I was referencing earlier, he wipes them clean with a rag. Or she's wiping yeah, them she clean with a, ra- with a rag. And he says, everything was clear as day. And she's like, whoa. And this is where she's a jerk. Dan, this is fabulous. This must be what having powers is like. Uh, you know, special vision and like that. It must be so strange being John. He can see neutrinos. And he's like, oh, oh, man. Oh, oh, it's, it's, it's getting, getting late. It's getting yeah. late. Uh, <laughs> my, my, my half chub just flubbed. Yeah, and she starts talking about something else. You know, borrowing for a concert. She says something cheeky about their kind of Devo. The glasses. Uh, referencing... Uh, the band uh, Whip It. Whip It yeah, Good. And they were always known for their really eccentric outfits and stuff back in the day. And he's just like, he's like, all right, I'll put the lights on upstairs. Uh, you know, oh, I mostly listen to Billie Holiday, Nellie Lutcher, Louis Jordan, stuff like that. Do you miss John? <laughs> <laughs> like, Do you like, miss John? They had dropped the John thing and he had started being weird. And she's like, no, I, I think keep thinking I should. And she talks about how you know, being with him was was super lonely and not like a traditional lone loneliness because when you're alone completely, you get to do what you want. You just happen to have to entertain yourself. Whereas she was always monitored. Yeah. So like she wasn't alone, but she wasn't allowed to engage anyone. So she was. And she didn't have privacy. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I guess sometimes I felt like that. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, I mean, take you for example, you like living here on your own. So and he's just like, damn, what are you doing? He's like wiping his head like, oh, God, this is started. She's she's already calling me out. And he's like, oh, nothing, just trying to get my hair straight. And she says, well, what I'm saying is that at Rockefeller, I got the bad side of isolation without the compensations like privacy. There was nobody to talk to, all that. And she's like, it must be great for you having a secret identity, a secret place no one knows about. You can just come down here to hang out, and there's nobody checking up on you, nobody mm-hmm. watching you. I'm not fluffing those words. All. Yeah, that's what she's saying to him. And, uh, and then Dan... Again, isn't there? These days, I feel like there's some. Uh, I feel like something's watching my every move. The really important thing about that panel, though, and this whole page is that he looks at his costume early on, and oh yeah, as he walks away, the costumes, you know, obviously stoic, standing there. It shows you it from the front, looking at you. And when he says there's something watching my every move, it's his goggles. I interpret that as because when you get later on the issue the costumes watching him he he yeah. misses his life oh yeah so bad he, he keeps on making excuses like oh that's yeah. kid shit he I'm wants you now. to it's think all... he doesn't care yeah i don't care about yeah. it's all i want he's the most hipster superhero yeah. he's just like no it's fine i don't even care i did it back then it was fine but in reality every day it's like you know the telltale heart with the heart beating or the eye the eye looking through the the door so he was actually like being pretty truthful when he was they're talking about addiction, like right, and he's talking about like being a putting on a the dangerous costume. Habit. Yeah, he really wants to do it. Yeah, so so it shows he you wants, that he wants to pop that crack pipe. Yeah, and she's like, Dan, you're being crazy again. What's with you in this conspiracy? 
He's like, well, I don't know. It just it sounded crazy, and and you know, Rorschach murdered thing sounded funny. He wouldn't actually. This is really good because him and Rorschach are the two closest people in anything. And he's like, that murder sounded funny. He wouldn't just shoot somebody. It's too ordinary, especially a man sitting in a chair right in the head. Like Rorschach wouldn't do that. Yeah, like it'd be way more intense. It'd be way more disgusting, or it would be just messier, I guess, in general. Plus, he, as crazy as Rorschach is. He goes for, like, people that do pretty fucked up yeah. shit and just wrecks Everything's them. with a purpose. Moloch was just some old guy who did crimes, like, 30 years ago yeah. and was dying of cancer. And he had told Dan, right? Didn't he tell Dan about the Moloch situation? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he told him about it, like, hey, Moloch said this. I, I think. Um, I could be wrong. But anyways, he's aware. And then, you know, how do you, like, oh, he, hey, it's almost 6 o'clock. You want any coffee? And I think the part I liked about this was... Uh, so Lori got her, all of her stuff sent to his house and he's like, Hey, how do you want your coffee? One, um, uh, black as the devil and sweet as a stolen kiss, which means no milk, two sugars, which is how I'm going to order my coffee <laughs> from now on. I don't even drink coffee that often. And when I do, it's usually some over flavored nonsense. Cause I don't like the taste of pure coffee. I don't care. That's what I'm going to say to everyone. Black as the devil and sweet as a stolen kiss. And if they don't know how to make it, fuck them. Yeah. That means they don't care about me to listen to my podcast. Also, maybe they're just racist against Polish people. Exactly. Which I'll point out why I thought this is funny later on. So she's like, yeah, I got all my stuff sent here. That's all right. Right? That's fine. He's like, oh, it's totally fine. As long as you need, baby. You can stay around. Not even a big deal. Yeah, just move all your stuff in right now. Yeah. Please. Yeah, it's fine. I don't even care. Yeah. She's like, what do you do for work? Spoiler. He doesn't do anything for work. He's rich still. Yeah. But he does write occasional ornithological pieces for journals to get published. And the last one he did was in April, which this story takes place in, what, like, October or something? Yeah, October yeah. 20-something is where we're at right now. Yep, uh, because the last... Uh, actually, I know the exact date we are right now. I believe it's October 25th. No, it should be the 27th. No! Per... And now the... Ha-ha-ha! A trap! You revealed my trap card! It's uh. October 25th because they turn on the television. Oh, yeah, the and psychologist. The, and the television points out that it's the very first interview the psychologist is going to do with Rorschach, which oh, was on... 25th. Yeah. <laughs> we were playing uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! You just activated my trap card. Yeah. Gotcha. So, uh, you know, they turn it on, and it goes over the fact that, in the background, uh, this piece, right? Yes, okay, so this piece is, Russia is continuing its press into Afghanistanani, and they're claiming that it's just to close their borders, but everybody. Oh, no, 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 we start with Rorschach. You're right. You're right. Yep, you're right. Yeah, you've activated my Damn. trap card, bitch. You got me again. What was it? The, what was the one with the pot? The pot of greed? <laughs> the pot oh, of greed. Oh, did you get me with the pot of greed? The pot of greed. <laughs> uh, was that a trap card? I've never played I don't it. remember, man. I, I, I watched, I watched like the show up until he defeats Pegasus, and then after that, I was like, oh, I don't give a shit. I loved the card game as a kid. Didn't care for the show. I had one of the disc, uh, <laughs> risk-mounted disc uh, things that slapped out, and you could play Yu-Gi-Oh! right on your hand. I had one. Card, card games on motorcycles. Yeah. What? What's that? Oh, that was that was a whole season where it was card. It was the fucking card game, but they were on motorcycles with their fucking disc things. Those things were sick. But on and then it, it was like a, it was a whole joke about card games on oh. motorcycles. So I never watched the show really. Um, and as time went on, I stopped playing it. Anyways, when I started getting into Magic with Albert and Jake, apparently the. 90% of Yu-Gi-Oh players at all the... Because, like, Jake goes to big tournaments. He went to Philly last year. I think he's doing it again this year. Nerd. 
are super gangster black guys hmm. like chains you know wearing you know the 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 really gangster outfits like they just bought them off yeezy uh all the really cool shit that you would think a rap artist would have and they're playing Yu-Gi-Oh. checks out yeah yeah it's great that's so cool <laughs> like i just the one i love finding out when hard people hardcore people are into really nerdy shit like 90 percent of rappers are really into wrestling wwe oh. is huge and i don't care that it's buff dudes in their underwear that's the wrestling is the nerdiest fucking thing ever. Oh yeah, Ugh, but, it's it's soap operas for men. Yeah, which is soon which soap operas are nerd nerd shit for moms. Also, like anime is really yeah like associated with rap now, like well, especially like shit like Naruto and whatnot. Uh, uh, the actor Michael B. Jordan yep. has his own anime clothing line. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, uh, my, my friend, my friend from, uh, Saratoga who goes to comedy, he's talked about how one of the big moments for comics with him, cause he grew up with him, his dad liked him a lot, was, uh, in 36 Chambers by Wu-Tang, there's a line swinging through your, your hood like Spider-Man, and he's like, oh, they like Spider-Man? Oh, yeah. Which got him into hip-hop and reading more Spider-Man comics, it was like, oh, shit, this is great. Oh, yeah, you'll, like, if you listen to enough hip-hop, you'll see, you'll Weeb hear. Weeb galore. Yep. Comic books, yeah. Star Wars, anime. Yeah. It's great. It's yeah. great. But anyways. Yeah, um, that shit hard now. Yeah, yeah, we hard. I mean, nerd culture is like cool. Like, bitches love nerd culture now as long as you don't look like a nerd. Yeah. You have to be hot still, but you can be into nerd shit and that's good. Just suck your dick while looking at baby... No, that was too far. I was going <laughs> to say Baby Yoda. That's <laughs> the wrong one. At the Mandalorian. Well, there we go. Baby Yoda's 50 years old. Oh, pff, fair game. Yeah. All right, wait. That's not how that works. That's a real Kyle thing to say, right? I'm not playing this game, okay? I don't want it. Point is, uh, Star Wars. They'll Star suck Wars. your dick with Star Wars. There we go. So they turn on the TV. He's telling her about what she does for work, and she's all of a sudden not interested in what in anything anymore. It's like, shut up, Dan. That's exactly what happened. So he's like, <laughs> she, she's spent the last eight pages, no, ten pages, talking about how cool this shit is. And then she's like, what do you do for work? He gets to say one thing. Hey, I used to write for these. She's like, really? You do that a lot? As she's turning on the TV. And he goes, no, I haven't written that much. And he goes, usually, as soon as I mention ornithology, folks sort of switch it off. And she goes, shh, because the TV's talking about Rorschach. It was the best. That's Just a great the, line. The harshest shutdown. I love that. Because she has been on his day. All of a sudden, she's dry as the Sahara. Hmm. All he had to do was talk about goddamn birds. Fucking birds. Uh, but the news is uh, they let the cameras into Rorschach's apartment, and the lady, Dolores Sharp, Sharp described Kovacs as a Nazi pervert uh, and said that he'd frequently preposition her sexually, which I don't believe. No, he didn't. Not at all. I but, wouldn't believe him propositioning any woman. Oh, he's definitely a Nazi pervert. Oh, yeah, definitely a Nazi a pervert. Way, yeah. Possibly homosexual. Possibly. We'll investigate later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But she points out stacks of right-wing literature, including back issues of the New Frontiersman. And they reached out to the New Frontiersman editor, and if he had any comment, and he didn't, just so you know. And uh, they look at his stuff and how gross everything was. And oh, no, no, he said something. Frankly, isn't it time we reassessed Rorschach as a patriot and American? But that's not the comment, is it? It's kind of separated, so I read it as him saying it, Wait. not the comment from the Frontiersman editor. Uh, no, and, and then it goes right into the bail. No, I think that is his. 
him reading the yeah, comet. Yeah, yeah, the, the first bubble is, like, uh, not connected to anything. That's why right. I have that. So that's... Uh, oh, I see. That's coming from, let's say, the speakers. And then yep. this one's tied right to him. He's the editor of the New Frontier. Yep, because <gasps> you can see it down there, Hector Godfrey. Actually, I also feel like a damn idiot, because I, I noticed it immediately. That kid in the background, super important. Um, I should have known that that was that. Yeah, okay, never mind. We'll get to that after issue 12. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I should have put that together myself. God, yep. idiot, Kevin. So, anyways, frankly... That's what I'm here for, man. Yeah, the, it's these trap cards. They're flying. Mm. We're pointing them out for each other. Pot of greeds all day. Uh, so he says... Yeah, wait until I pull out Exodia, even though that's not a trap card. You need all five Exodias. Yeah, that's true. All right? Pull out one, fine. Then you also need the card that... Hey, the heart of the cards. It let Yugi beat Seto Kaiba, so yeah, it's gonna happen, bitch. What was it called? What was it called? That allowed you to merge two monsters together to make the final monster? Morph? Uh, um, I don't remember. Something morphs. Morph something. You need that. Please, Yu-Gi-Oh fans. It's Polymorph. Polymorph? I think it's Polymorph. Okay. If well, I Google Polymorph, it'll come If up. there's any Yu-Gi-Oh fans listening, just, uh, uh you know, yeah. e- email us. Do, do, do we even send Oh my god, email? I never... So I have an email for this. I, yeah. don't, I don't know what it is. I've noticed we have never once said it. I know DJ and Jake do it, and they actually get people who write shit to them. Yeah, and we're like, no, you don't talk yeah. to us. Just listen to <laughs> us and appreciate what we give you. That's kind of how I feel about the podcast. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm not doing it for, like, it would be fun to have people write stuff in. And it actually, back when I stopped doing it for a few months there, before we started doing Watchmen and all that, it was like 20 or 30 views. Ours are getting like 50 or 60 consistently. Oh, really? Yeah. Damn. Occasional ones going a little higher. I was like... Who's listening? Uh, Besides Jason and DJ. Those are the only two I know listen. Well, people like Watchmen. Uh, well, thanks for listening. Everybody likes Watchmen. Maybe, it's fucking awesome. Maybe we'll give you an email at some yeah, point. Yeah, maybe I'll find that email and, <laughs> and put that on there. I mean, I do, there's the Facebook page. Oh, yeah, That's you the do. easiest one. Just go to Men of the Machine and, and hit, I think, I think I like, mass, went, like two years ago, I mass sent it out to everyone I knew, and then since then I just didn't care. And then when me and Patrick stopped recording together, I stopped putting stuff up, because I used to share it on there, and I put up pictures of comics and shit. But then we had our thing and didn't record anymore, and I don't think I've touched it since then. I also made a tweeter, and yeah. I, don't, I don't touch that either. Maybe I'll do that. Yeah, maybe. You know what? If anyone, even even DJ who's downstairs right now, goes to the Men of the Machine Facebook... Oh, no, he doesn't have Facebook. No. Jason? He technically does, but he never uses it. Right. Does Jason have Facebook? Uh, Yes, he does. If anyone, even Jason, goes onto the Men of the Machine Facebook and just, like... Post like an exclamation point. I'll know. I'll know yeah. that I need to do something more. Yeah. Or we could just do what uh, DJ and Jake does and uh, just have Jason handle all the social media. Jason, put an exclamation point <laughs> on the Facebook thing, and I'll know that at least one person knew. Yeah. And we'll have it set up and abuse his friendship, as we all do. Yep, that's for true. For free sex toys and pornos. Ooh, those are the best. See? Yeah. So uh, they're talking about. Uh, following a tense bail hearing, Kovac awaits trial pending psychiatric examination. That's where you see Dr. Malcolm. He's confident and optimistic on his way into his first interview. Uh, but then... I never dreamed he'd shoot anybody. Oh, right. <laughs> she's, he's, he says, you know, it's gonna not going to be easy for a jury to sympathize with Rorschach. And she's like, sympathize? After he shoots a cop with a grappling gun? And Dan's like, yeah, I never dreamed he'd shoot anybody with it. Yeah, it might be. I sort of made that. <laughs> yeah, he made it for him. And it's the only thing Rorschach carries on him. Friends. Friends. Still, yeah. Friends. Uh, and then they, uh, uh, the channel moves over to the conflict. Uh, 
Pakistan called the U.S. to intervene because Russia is going into Afghanistan, claiming that it's just to close up borders, and uh, President Nixon says that America would consider her options. America's a her well, 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 I guess. It'd go more like this. America would consider her options. And then say victory. Victory. Yeah, there you go. I'm not a crook. He, he really isn't. Great president. <laughs> Great president. <laughs> Almost as good as Reagan, though. Yeah. Love Reagan around here. Reagan. They would have loved Reagan and Watchmen. It's a damn shame he didn't make it. Oh, oh, there is um there's a nice joke in like episode like eight or nine of the TV series. They're like, oh, oh can't, I can't wait till we get to it. Yeah. Okay. Is it about Robert Redford? Oh, you already know that? I know he's the president, yeah. Yeah, it's like that was one of the first. Redford time. became president. Who would thought some Hollywood cowboy would become president? Oh come on! <laughs> and, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! A little too touchy for this podcast. Not a political podcast. Not okay? political podcast. Let's just move on. Well, technically, uh, he's a Democrat in that uh, show, and Ronnie was a Republican, so it sort of evens out. So it's like it's well, null. It's null. Well, you, you, uh, hey, Craig, maybe in a two-party political system, <laughs> neither side has your best interests at heart. Can't oh, get enough of that sugar, Chris. Sugar, 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 I don't feel like I'm actually re- accurately represented in a two-party system. Oh, it'd be fun to talk about that joke, but we can't do it on this podcast. Um, yeah. So, they're going over all the cool shit that's going on. Apparently, England is uh, arrests women demonstrating, doing a peace protest, and they're scuffling with police, and the whole world's going to shit. Yep. Europe military installations have been placed on full alert, and... She's like, uh, she asked Dan, like, oh, oh, that's why I forgot to call this back out. She, <laughs> she's, she's watching and goes, yeah, well, things are tough all over, and she's really sullen. And Dan's like, Lori, uh, are are you okay? Did I put enough sugar in the coffee? I went out to the store specifically. She's <laughs> like, no, 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 the coffee's fucking fine. Yeah, cut it out. I'm just stressed out. And she says, she's just kind of worried that stuff's going on. And he's like, yeah, I don't like thinking about it. During Hiroshima week, I read an article in the magazine. Uh, with pictures, kids' bodies, skin burned black, and she's like, okay, don't, Dan, that's enough. She's like, well, her, you know, me, I wish I could just split. And John, oh, like John. And he calls it the Manhattan transfer. (laughs) I think that's great. I forgot that little tidbit ever. That's a way cooler way to say teleport. Yep. And uh, that one joke was just enough to get the fuck me face back on her. Yeah, now she's feeling good. She's like, oh, Manhattan transfer? Oh, my God, is that what you call it? And he's like, well, not to his face. <laughs> I would never say that to his face. And then we get the one panel where he actually looks good looking. Yeah, he's almost handsome. Yeah. Uh, and also, it calls out on the TV again as the news continues to move through that police have stopped searching for Max Shea, a comic book writer who wrote The Black Raider. And yep. we talked about him a long time ago. And he's been missing. So they're not looking for him anymore. Uh, he wrote pirate comics before graduating. The modern classics such as The Hooded Basilisk and Fog Dancing. Oh, and then the next, uh, the next news report is from the Institute for Extraspatial Studies, which, if you've been paying attention, that's right where the newsstand is yep. that we always go to that with the Black Freighter, yeah. And uh, they're, call- they're saying that they're getting close to basically reaching into another dimension. And the point of it is to try to pull energy sources, because infinite energy has always been the key of everybody ever. Yep. Burning oil ain't going to do it. Because, you know, the... the um... Law of the conservation of energy. Right. Energy can neither be created nor destroyed, only uh, altered in form. Right. And thus, since there's only as much energy in 
the universe, might as well just get more of it Take from it another more. universe. Because fuck it. It's not like in today's day and age, we haven't already proven that renewable energy is a viable option, especially things like solar panels, if only we would put funding and research into it. Yeah. I don't know why we haven't. It's almost as if there's things like the Paris Agreement out there to help push these things forward. I don't know. I don't know. Not my, not my place to say. Yeah. But... I read a thing once that said if we uh, one square mile of solar panels in the Sahara Desert. Wait, not Sahara. In the what's the what's the desert in the U.S.? Oh, oh, what is the the big ass desert out there? Yeah, in... it's the desert with Death Valley in it, but I don't yeah. know the formal name of it. Well, anyways, one square mile of sol- solar panels would provide enough uh, electricity for like four states or some shit like Jesus. that. Jesus, but you couldn't get it to them. Like setting up the yeah. grid would be impossible. But the point is fucking solar panels man yep anyways uh places around here are less fortunate the northeast and the north northwest would have a lot of issues with solar panels because of cloud coverage and weather though um over in uh there's plenty of solar panels over in navy housing like yeah and it supplies more than enough for everybody yep uh some of the house there have them on them and then they have like a whole little area that's just fenced off they have uh, like three of them yeah i mean they have the one right there but there's a couple down um 85 i think there's a another little area that has them that's pretty cool yeah but technically yeah well the far northern north you get you would have really easy time during the summer months and that horrible time during the uh uh the um winter months so you would have to get as much as possible in summer and store it that's why the tesla batteries were such a big deal that never unfortunately went farther than they should um he built things that could store all your energy because one of the big downfalls to electric panels at your house and stuff like that is if you are able to use up all of your energy while it's being brought in that's great otherwise it has to be shipped back out like two companies and stuff through the lines um which is complicated and annoying versus the current system of just downstream they send you electricity and you use it yep um but his tesla batteries could store x amounts and they were really actually not that bad it was like 10 grand which for housing costs oh yeah is not a big deal um, to slap onto your home. Uh, but, you know, it'd be like, maybe you should move to wind and water energy at that point, which is also pretty uh, plentiful. Solar, or wind farms bring in a ton of energy, so. I don't know. Maybe just keep burning coal. Yeah, fuck Yeah, it. good jobs for good people. Fuck the planet. Yeah, great jobs for great people. Uh, we deserve it. It's good yeah. stuff. Yeah, we'll, we'll just have a... Oh, I almost said the spoiler to the uh, comic. Come on. Wow, that come was... On. Oh. Come on. So... Anyways, uh, yeah, literally that one joke of of literally just saying Manhattan transfer got her all riled up. So she takes his glasses off. He's like, hey, stop that. Come on, don't do that. And then she starts smooching him. And this next two panels is fucking awkward as fuck. Oh, yeah. So in the background, the TV has now moved on to, and I think this is a really nice back and forth analogy, to, uh, not Ozymandias, Adrian Veidt. Yes, he's Ozymandias, but... Uh, Astrodome charity performance and he's basically going to be dressed super hot in this gold outfit uh, doing gymnastics for people because he's the best man in the world and the background text is literally just talking about how incredible his performance is you know there's no tremor in his movements everything is smooth his body looks perfect His he's so fluid and, and swift and all this wonderful stuff and just listen to the crowd as he switches his grip there ooh in the background however what should be super fucking sexy, Lori taking over, being a dom to, to Dan's sub, 
really is more, oh, am I hurting you? Oh, God, I'm leaning weird. Oh, I can't get this button undone. Oh, my God, what's going and on? And she's like, no, do it like that. Put it there. You know, lift yourself up a bit. Oh, yeah. okay, right there, right there. Let me help you here. What's the matter? Uh, nothing. If I could just list yourself up a little bit, I could. Oh, okay, enough. That's great. Like, all these little tidbits of it's clearly not working out. If you've ever had relations with a lady, you know that occasionally you get a Charlie horse. That happens. Yeah. This, on the other hand, is like, he has trouble unbuttoning his shirt. His arm hurts. She's like, here, let me just do that. You're, you can't even get the goddamn button off. He's like, oh, it's okay. I just need a couple of minutes. She's like, Dan, are, are you okay? She's umming and umming, though. Mm. So she is enjoying it. Yep. But unfortunately, Dan goes, oh, hell. Oh, Lori, I'm sorry. It just, it, it isn't you. It's just, and she, hey, relax. It's okay. We don't have to rush things. We've got as long as it takes. And don't worry, you're doing fine. <laughs> here's a gold star you're doing great and and then it goes so the charity performance wraps up and she goes still nothing and he goes "Mm mm-hmm and she goes clap "Mm -hmm." clap 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 clap, clap." she asks if it works out and then she tucks him in and puts him to bed and he's just like oh sorry she's like it doesn't matter you know could you move over just a little bit we'll sleep now also all the while i'm thinking one that'd be uncomfortable to do it on a couch yep and two Sleeping two people on a couch? So, he has a bed. It seems ridiculous, but it's the heat of the moment, and you just it gotta... It's the heat yeah, you just gotta of roll the it. moment. And actually, that moment was just about as sexy as if you tried to listen to the song Heat of the Moment in the moment. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. not a sex song. Oh, no. No matter That's how much they want it. It might be a Dan sex song. Yeah. That checks out. But it just doesn't happen, so... Just sleep, and then you get the reflection of the TV office glasses. Again, everything's through the perspective of this pathetic piece of shit. And we get that dream sequence you're talking about. And this is where I said the movie leaves out, which I don't want to talk about the movie, but in that, instead of it being, uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, I can't remember her name. Uh, Twilight, Twilight Princess or something? Twilight? No, that's, no, that, that's a Link Zelda. game. <laughs> yeah, my bad. Twilight uh, Dominatrix... Uh, woman it is let's see i am trying to find this stupid picture i don't want to miss i don't want to misquote i would never do that to watch, watch oh, it, oh it's uh the twilight lady the twilight lady so it's him running with the really pathetic face uh up to her and it's twilight lady and he's dressed and she's dressed now this is the first part where the movie does it different the movie just starts with them naked together uh, or does it start with them closed and the clothes just disappears or whatever? But anyways, oh, it, I think it might be closed. And then they pull each other's clothes off, Twilight Lady and Dan, and they're naked. And then she rips the skin off of, Twi- of Night Owl to reveal his costume, and he rips the skin off of Twilight Lady to reveal Lori in her Silk Spectre costume. And then they're smooching, it explodes, and there's the super iconic Watchmen image of the two skeletons being torched by an atomic bomb. Yep, I'm pretty sure the movie they they I think they might have been closed, but no, they weren't because you see butt cheeks. I remember that so butt it's cheeks. Two na- it's just naked Laurie and naked Dan, and then they rip off to their costumes, and it doesn't include the stall. And I think that's a shame because this is a dream of his. There was clearly something there with this lady, whether it was just an appreciation for the fact that she was into him, whether they actually did bang, or whether it's fantasizing the past of him having to deal with her. Regardless, yep, that's really fucking important to the character. So to leave it out in the movie is. We're not going to talk about the movie, but yeah. that's all I'll say. Moving on. So he wakes up. It At first, when I was reading this, I was like, oh, Dan's pretty fit. And then, no, dude's got a pretty big beer belly. And yeah. when he stands up to walk away, 
the flattest ass <laughs> in the world. Just nothing there. He um, his build reminds me of like John Goodman. No, but not when John Goodman was fat. John Goodman when he was bulky. Oh, okay, yeah, because he's both fat and muscular. Yes. Muscular, like a wrestler or like an MMA fighter. Samoa Joe. Yeah, Samoa Joe's big, but my God, I wouldn't want to ever be touched by him sexually or abusively. Well, abusively sexually would be fine, <laughs> but not separate them. Is that fair? Fair. I like a little spanking. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Nothing. A little uh, slap and tickle. Oh yeah, a little slap the pickle. You know what I'm saying? So, anyways, um, he wakes up and he's like, "Wow, that was a crazy dream." And he kisses her hand. Or kind of just rubs it against his face. <laughs> and he goes to walk away and she goes, John, did you say something? Falls back asleep. So she's clearly thinking about John. He walks downstairs, or he walks into the bathroom, I guess. And he, again, looking outside, he puts a fingerprint, just like on the glasses, just like on Archie, looking out at the moon. And he walks downstairs. What is he putting his finger through, though? I assume, like, a film on the glass. It looks yeah. it's water, so it's clearly, but maybe, you know. How... Okay, I guess I guess it's the yellow tint that's uh, bothering me. Yeah. It looks like wax to me, but I guess water I, makes I, sense. Yeah, I think that's just purely for contrast. So he's looking out. He, he walks downstairs. He puts his gla- He looks at his costume, which is standing there looking back at you. It's pretty ominous the way they have that costume. It looks like it's looking at you and a full-on person, like the way he has it right there, standing up, like the boots and pants and everything. Yeah. Uh, puts on the glasses and Dan, and she comes. Dan, where are you? Dan, Dan, Dan. And he's he's she's. Are you okay? I mean, you sound upset. And he's like, No, it's just a dream I had. Is all. We were kissing, and then this nuclear bomb. It just we burned up. We were gone. Everything was gone. This war, this feeling, that's it's unavoidable. It makes me feel so powerless, so impotent. And when he says <laughs> that, he's like looking down at his beer belly, and he's no longer like stoic. Because earlier in that same pit panel, when he's putting on the glasses, like they choose to show him awesome. Oh yeah. But they also choose to, you know, let let you see how pathetic he is. And then he gets the genius idea. He's talking about how he's got like so anxious and everything's just so ridiculous. But again, if he can make her laugh. Freaking turn the faucets on, baby. It's time oh, to yeah. slip and slide. So he's just like, huh, I guess I must look pretty Devo right now. And she's like, oh, <laughs> Dan. Dan. Classic you. Don't know what Devo is. And she's like, well, or she, you know, he's like, I don't, I don't know what I was going to do. I, I, Maybe just take the ship out or something, get myself straight. And she's like, well, who's to know? You said it's invisible to radar. Why don't you get dressed and I'll go upstairs. Yeah, get your Hank Hill ass up there. Yeah, he does look very Hank Hilly. So... She's like, I used to be a masked Avenger too, remember? I mean, I'm used to going out at 3 in the morning and doing something stupid. So he decides to put the shit on. And he gets all dressed up. And then it shows you through the reflection of Archie, him getting dressed, and it looks hilarious. Oh, yeah. Gets all, gets all set up, looking good. And she's like, Dan, I'm ready. And he goes, me too, let's go. And they walk in, and they get in the ship. And basically, he's explaining here how over-the-top rich he is. He owns the tunnelway. He owns the building next door that has this cool, like, uh, steel uh, doors that release. Oh, and the, the warehouse that it uh, that's lifts what, up that's out That's what of. I meant. Yeah, he owns the warehouse out there that it just flies through. Uh, and she's kind of nervous because, well, she's never been in this, apparently. 
And he's like, oh, it's fine. He's got fog screen. I'll, I'll, I'll put some cloud cover out. Yeah, so far, like, I think the only people we've seen in it have been, like, Rorschach comedian. and the comedian. Yep, and him. Yep. And he goes up into the sky, and uh, they're talking about he, he he's he's becoming himself again. For He's no different from Rorschach, is what I'm getting at. He becomes Night Owl. He's, it's great remembering switches with sequences. It's like the old inst- instincts are imprinted on my fingertips. And he's, oh, yeah, he is like Rorschach in he, that. He is Rorschach. The only people who aren't is like, so John, which he's losing humanity, so don't yep. count it. Ozymandias is a little bit more cloudy over which version of him is him. Like, So the fact that he sold out and made it this persona is, you know, why did he do it, all that stuff. Sally doesn't want to be, uh, or Laurie doesn't want to be uh, her superhero character at all, Silk yeah. Spectre, in the slightest. Um the comedian is the comedian. Oh, yeah. There's no... That's just him. Yeah. Like, the costume never, Arth- like, changed anything yeah. about him. Arthur Blake was Arthur Blake, and no one knows Arthur Blake or gives a fuck about him. So, yeah. The- Edward. Edward Blake, sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, Night Owl is Rorschach, just in a sad way, not an angry way. Yeah. So, they're going over, and he's like, hey, wait a minute. What's that over there? There's a building on fire. No, this no. Is, this is... You remember the movie, right? I mean, we're not going to talk about the movie, but... Uh, vaguely. This whole thing does two, to me, does two really important uh, kind of layers of how you can choose to interpret it. So they decide to go save it. And of course, Night Owl, his version of being a superhero is just like, attention people, I am going to pull up next to you. Please enter the ship and I will fly you to safety. Don't worry, there's coffee and music on board. (laughs) He doesn't do anything. He just is a you know, facilitator of the situation. He wants to make sure everyone's comfy with smooth jazz and coffee. And the inverse of that is, Lori's like, well, you know what? People are going to need help getting on. Put put the door out. Oh, yeah, she gets undressed, and Dan gets kind of stunned for just a minute about how hot she is. Dramatically less sexy than the costume in the movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's fine. I don't have an issue with that. If the movie wants to sex it up, it was 2009. That's fine, but... So she goes out, and she basically is talking people into the ship. I'm, I'm just going to summarize, and then we'll do the individual points. Yep. She goes in. She's like, all right, everybody in the ship. Gets them in the ship. They get coffee. He flies them to the building next door. He's standing on top of it now because they needed to make more room. Touches down and lets them out, right? Pretty simple. It's hilarious for two reasons why. One, I said earlier how ridiculous Dan is being. He is over the top being like a studio announcer trying to make people comfy and whatever. He's not being very heroic necessarily in his speech. And the inverse is, Lori is doing absolutely nothing heroic either. She's just yelling at people. She just gets down and she's like, you know, okay, everybody coming through. I don't believe this. So why is she dressed like that? And she tries to be, if you could all be forming a line by the window, we'll have you out of here in just a minute. And she's like, oh, Night Owl, there's an awful lot of people in here. And they're like... Are you with the fire department? She's like, listen, I'm Smokey the Bear's secret mistress. Can you please just move or throw yourself over the side or something? I don't care about your allergies or your medicine. Just get on the ship, asshole. <laughs> That's what she says to someone. It's not a rogue at all. And then guess what she does? She walks over the ladder, gets inside with them. Meanwhile, a song's playing about, uh, you know, a guy telling a girl he's a thrill. She's like, uh, where's the coffee? Okay, here's coffee, everybody. Hey, you don't touch that. you'll burn down the whole neighborhood so she's being kind of a jerk and whatnot and they let him off you want to know how that's dramatically different from the movie 
The movie has the ship pull up, super dramatic, blow a hole in the wall, put the skate out, she jumps in, helps everyone out, gets a child, the buildings collapse, she runs, sprints and dives while the entire building explodes and she lands just in the nick of time to look up at Dan and be like, we did it. <laughs> There's nothing heroic about this. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, saving lives, yes. But the point is, they are uh, fucking playing dress up right now. There's nothing to it that's like this over-the-top machismo. These people aren't going to look at you like you look at a firefighter. Like, that's not what this is at all. You're ridiculous to them. Thank you for saving their lives. But you're absolutely ridiculous. That's how I chose to interpret it. Yeah. They saved lives. They're being heroes again. That's that's what I feel is the face value. But the underlying message is like, this whole book has been taking the power away from superheroes. And I think this one does it more than anything. Because it shows that they're just fucking a ladder. Yeah. It's like, they're doing something routine. Exactly. They're doing something almost, you know, pedestrian in, in their effort. Yes, the ship helps. And that's his whole thing was he built all this stuff to do this so he wouldn't have to physically superman someone over his shoulder. Yeah, he's like, I will save you with the power of money. He, exactly. <laughs> he's Batman and Iron Man without the cool shit. So he, they land down and uh, Dan's like, you know, like, and he looks so pleased with himself. He's oh, yeah. so fucking on the moon right now. And uh, so, you know, he's like, all right, folks, department will handle the rest. Finish your, When your coffee's finished, please head down to the street. Good night now. And they take off. He's like, you know, I can't believe we just did that. You realize they'll probably lock us up with Rorschach. And she's like, oh, who cares? World War Three can start tomorrow. Who's that singing? Oh, that's Billie Holiday. You're my thrill. Uh, Lori, what the? It's okay. I think I caught the title. And she's undressing him. And they make sweet, passionate love with the flame coming out the front when, you know, climax. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's uh, her orgasm. elbow hits it. Yeah, it's an orgasm. The movie scene of this is really funny, plus you get to see a lot of boobies, win-win, and it's to uh, uh, the cover of Hallelujah by Jeff Buckley, which mm. is the best version of that song, and it's awesome. I think it's the Jeff Buckley version in the movie. I'll have to look that up. If I'm wrong, that's okay, but that is the best version of it. Uh, and basically, it's exactly what we were talking about earlier. Like, Oh, and Lori actually says something really important. And so she decides to start taking a hit from a crack pipe. Yep. And he says, I thought you'd quit, Lori. Dangerous habits, remember? Which is ironic because his dangerous habit was being a hero and they just went and did that too. So he's yeah, being, you hypocrite. So he's being bitch. hypocritical. But he says, or she says, there's no such thing as quitting. Just sometimes there's a long pause between relapses, right? The I'm, I'll just say it now. The last line of this book, not the last line, the last important line of this book is nothing ever ends. That's like the whole theme throughout is like, you know, you can do something, stop, you're going to do it again. Rorschach thinks of it of villains. He thinks they're always being douches and up to no good. Comedian thinks of it of anyone with good intentions that's actually a liar. Um, the whole issue between uh, her father, who her father actually is, yeah, which we don't know that yet. All that kind of shit. Uh, uh, the mom with a uh, comedian raping her, but then she ends up being his friend still and has like fond memories of him uh, for the funeral. Like Everything in this book is kind of that theme of you're never really done with anything which i thought was cool so the fact that she says that just kind of played out with her boobies in the air like that yep. I, was, I liked it uh, it was really cool not the boobies i mean i like those two but i mean the sentiment the t costumes make it good the costume yeah 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 that's what she asks him danny goes yeah i guess the costumes have something to do with it it just feels strange you know to come out and admit that to someone to come out of the closet <laughs> i don't think that's what the wording should have been used there but that's all right 
<laughs> Does it feel good? Oh, yes. Jesus, yes. I mean, he's... Oh, yeah, right. I feel so confident. It's like I'm on fire. And all the mass killers, all the warriors in the world, they're just cases, just problems to solve. Because that's really hot post-coital conversation yeah. to talk about all this crime you can solve. <laughs> <sighs> he's so... So... You know, you sound real passionate. I don't know. You could smolder. And, and Oh, yeah. Sounds like you've awoken with an appetite. He's like, you're right. I've got a big appetite. Well, I think she's just happy that he's passionate about He's not something. being a pathetic bitch. Yeah. He's not being Ario Speedwagon yeah. right now. You know, insatiable. And they... Ha oh, no. They don't have sex yet. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Insatiable, huh? Well, I'm open to suggestions. What shall we do next? Like, anal is probably what she's was, talking yeah, about. Yeah, I was thinking about that, too. She's I was like, yeah. She's definitely like... implying that the butt is good, is yeah. fair play. And he's like... I've been thinking about that. I've been I, thinking about someone else's yeah, butt, though. Yeah, you ain't kidding. <laughs> and I feel we have certain obligations to our fraternity. I think we should spring Rorschach. Whether he means for a three-way or not, I'm unsure of at the moment. I like how the next panel, no words, and then what? what? Just as that it, dramatic pause. As it zooms out. Yep, and then the quote of the day, which is from... Uh, the Book of Job. There it is. I am a brother to dragons and a companion to owls. My skin is black upon me and my bones are burned with heat. Oh, yeah, that, that's nice. that's the, the chapter of the Bible where uh, the devil goes to God and he's like, you know, your followers aren't really that faithful. And God's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to torture this one dude and he just will still love me. And then he tortures Job and Job's like, yeah, I still love you, God. Thanks for taking away all my shit, but you're still the best. And God goes to Satan, see? Ha 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 ha! Yeah. And Zane's like, oh, whatever, dude. That's pretty fucked up. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's actually a, a episode of South Park where uh, something great happens to Cartman, while something bad happens to Kyle, and Kyle's dad's like, "We'll talk about Job." And then he gets to the end of the story, and he's like, "That that's it? Just horrible?" Yeah. <laughs> and it makes Kyle worse. Oh, I love that. The Book of Job is garbage. I the Bible's garbage. Oh, yeah. I it. mean, I'm not saying that. I would never say that. The Christianity is wonderful, and our kids should be praying every morning. I'm into that. But the Bible's garbage. Yeah. <laughs> if I had to say. Uh, uh, so, anyways, um, the excerpt, that's the, that's, the, that's the end of that chapter, and the excerpt is his most recent uh, published work uh, from ornithology, ornithology uh, called Blood from the Shoulder of Pallas. Who's Pallas? Um... I'm not exactly sure, but I'm guessing from the context clues, it's a figure from Greek mythology. Some sort of god fancy yeah. person. I don't think this really needs to go into detail. No. But if I had to guess, this was probably written after this scene. Because yeah. uh, he's talking about how, like, instead of just relying on the facts about things, which you still do that. He does mention that. He does say that, yeah. That uh, a lot of the time it's lost of, like, actually looking into the beauty of all this. I actually, that's like one of my favorite things ever. I'm just going to read this first, like two ch uh, uh, sentences. It says, is it possible, I wonder, to study a bird so closely to observe a catalog and, or what, God, I messed it up already. Is it possible, I wonder, to study a bird so closely to observe and catalog its peculiarities in such minute detail that it becomes invisible? Is it possible that while fastidiously calibrating the span of its wings or the length of its tarsus, we somehow lose sight of its poetry. And then he goes on through to be like, you can, you, you can fact something to death. Yep. Like, people can dissect The Godfather to the point of being like, well, fuck that movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, actually, I talked about it with Greg, because, and we do it at work all the time. All of us. Oh, all, yeah. All five of us, all four of us are guilty. I was leaving Albert out, and then I realized I gotta leave Kyle out, too. <laughs> all four of us will... Like with uh, uh, what we just did at work the other day with um, 
Daft Punk. With Daft Punk, we'll nitpick something down to almost almost this bad. Not every time. Uh, if Jake's involved, it'll go even farther usually, but not in a negative way. He just really likes to dive. Um, but, you know, we were talking about, like, the reasons why we thought this album was better than this or what wasn't and, and, and yada yada. And at a certain point, you just have to stop and be like, I like the way it sounds. Like, I just really like the way this... And we did that with certain tracks. Like, certain tracks someone would just put into the thing, like, it just this is the right mood. Like, emotion was for me. I was just like, this is it. I don't know what. It's it. To be honest, like, when we did our final rankings, uh-huh. I think from a technical standpoint, uh-huh. you and DJ had the right answer. But Discovery just sounds your, better to, to me. It's your album. Yeah, like, I can't tell you it's not. It definitely is. Or, you know, and I'm, you know me, I rage about food culinary stuff I, I get real up about it and real tight about it because i think that food is like insanely beautiful in what it can be and it's it's definitely an art form even something like cooking a sandwich for you it, it can be an art form if i try to tailor it to you like if i ever make dj anything i know to pour about seven to ten times more salt on it <laughs> than your average human and that kind of stuff i think is really cool so when people are like yeah well i just like the way grilled cheese tastes, so I'm only going to eat grilled cheese anytime I go anywhere. I'm like, go fuck yourself. There's so much stuff out there. But in doing that, I can also become too fascinated with the pieces that I lose that, hey, you just like things, and that's really nice, and it's really beautiful. So, And Alan Moore is in overly consistent with that point. I think he wrote that specifically. He talks about that with Watchmen all the time. I mean, we're doing it right now. We're breaking down everything we can think to. Um, meanwhile, still loving it, but... Alan Moore says that all the time, or, or Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon say it more often than not with Rick and Morty, like, go fuck yourself, just enjoy it. Yeah. They did it with the cat episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, is it possible to enjoy something and ask questions? I find the, or yeah, Rick says, I find the uh, insinuation that I can't enjoy it and ask questions insulting, or demeaning, or oh, condescending, uh, or something. Condescending, yeah. Yeah, which is hilarious, because he says, right, Jerry? And Jerry's like, yeah, yeah right, because he's the dunce in it, but. Also... Now that I think about it, i got to revise my statement. I do think this is, you are right. This is probably the last thing he wrote in April because he mentions he's in Maine, which he was probably visiting the Mothman. Right. Who's in his sane asylum. Right. Uh, oh, good call. I didn't pick up on that, but uh, I just assumed by the timeline the way that they've chosen to give us deets from the chapter before, like the psychiatric reports and stuff. So I just assumed yep. it was... And he's obviously going through some shit. You know, that chapter relates how this issue Dan feels with the superhero work he did and how he tries to like push it away because he goes through all the silly things he did and all the silly things he built but in reality it's the feeling of going out and saving someone that is what gets his rocks off literally and i think what i like about this ending article which you brought up some good points is that this series doesn't treat the readers like they're dumb no they don't need to spell things out no they're like they leave enough context clues that you can figure it out yourself. Yeah. And if you don't, there's plenty there for you. Yeah. That's fine. Or you could just reread it at some point and learn more. Yeah, reread it and do a podcast. Yeah. That's all it takes. Oh, yeah. We pick up on a lot of stuff during the podcast port- podcast portion where, like, the 30 minutes that we're reading it beforehand, I miss a lot of things. Yeah. And then together, there's it's just so yeah. chock full of detail. I won't even lie. It takes me way longer to read the panels that have no words than it does ones that do. I get too caught up in the text. So when there's images, I'm just like, focus every corner. And then when there's text, I'm like, eh, okay, look at the issue and read. Look at the issue, and, or the panel and read. So this this one was a little weird. There's a lot, 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 lot of um, open for interpretation, just art. Just, I mean, fuck, there's yeah. 
back to back three full pages that oh, only yeah. has what ten lines of dialogue and it's Lori mumbling about John. Yep. Like, yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Yeah. Meanwhile, I tend to be like a wordy person. I try to find a lot of the meaning in the dialogue and right. like the story that's presented and all that. Right. All right. Ranking. You start. You know what? This was actually a really good character piece. I'm going to say 10 of 10. 10 out of 10? Yeah. We haven't seen that score on the podcast yet. That's really impressive. Is That's... this the first 10 I gave? I'm pretty sure no, I gave you another gave, one. you've given two other 10s. You yeah. gave it to the Manhattan one, and you gave it to the comedian uh, funeral walkthrough. Oh, yeah. Um, I think, actually, at the end of it, I'm going to go through and average it out and find out what you gave Watchmen as whole, and I'm going to see if it matches up with what you give Watchmen as whole. Because if it wraps up and Ooh. you just like it all and you give it a 10 out of 10, that's fine. But I'm still going to find out what your average was, which will probably be somewhere in the late 8s, early 9s, somewhere in there. Yeah, somewhere around there. Um, this was actually, like, maybe my least favorite issue of the book. Um, not I, not really for any specific reason. Um, Rorschach's really interesting to learn about, and it's really fucked up, and the comedian's really fucked up, and the Manhattan's my favorite, and there's a lot of really good stuff to build on. And this is just kind of like, sad rich guy, can't get it up, eventually does get it up, saves the day without doing anything impressive, and, yeah, he had sex. He just had sex. And that's cool. It's just, it's an amazing portrayal of mediocrity. Yes. That is the perfect way to do it. So I think I'll give it probably like a mediocre, a mediocre, a mediocre score. 10 out of 10. It was just, <laughs> I don't know. It didn't really do it for me, but it was still good enough to hold up to anything else anyone's ever written. So 10 out of 10. Good chapter. Good, Good chapter. chapter. <laughs> uh, otherwise, next time we'll do chapter eight, which is a doozy, and I'm actually really excited about it. And Dan looks awesome. So if you if you thought we were done with Dan in one chapter, oh boy, oh boy. you got another thing coming. But uh, I think it's the prison break. So prison break. Prison break. Prison break's a good issue. So all right. Otherwise, time for a little bit of improv. We're gonna. We're going to do, it went so well so many times. We're going to two-headed dragon this, all right? Just to say our goodbyes. Thanks for listening to Men of the Machine. Machine. Uh, Craig. And. Kevin. That. Oh shit! Ah, you ruined it. I know. You did the same thing you did last time. You're I like, should have put in, put in a filler yeah, word. Yeah, I'm Craig, and I'm, and I would get to oh. say Kevin, and then we could say thanks for listening. And it was all just right out the window. Just you know what? I'm bad at improv. It's all right. We'll get better next time. We'll open with a fun improv exercise. We're getting better every day. Yay! And thanks for listening. As you can see, over here we have the man of the machine.